we have faced an incremental intrusion of vulgarity into our society. And even as early as the 1960s, censorship did not allow things that were considered what they call bathroom humor. This would be jokes or innuendos that were crude or indecent, but how times have so quickly changed. In the last 10 years alone, we have heard about the vulgar display of Madonna and Britney Spears locking lips on stage for all the world to see. We remember the halftime show with Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake when Timberlake swipes a piece of Janet Jackson's clothing and exposes her for the world to see. This was all calculated while performing the song Rock Your Body. The more recent displays of Miley Cyrus in provocative, vulgar displays of herself and Taylor Swift recently. Uh, more recent raunchy performances and even vulgar lyrics. And we could go on and on. And today it seems that vulgar is a goal. And today's censorship really is not censorship at all. If you're, if you're relying on the world to be your censorship by some rating they put, you, you've got the wrong rating system in your life. And it seems that the worse that things get, the lower they put the bar so that people no longer see vulgarity as vulgar, but rather normal and entertaining. The Bible tells us in Philippians 2.15 that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Now, as we're going to see in the text that I've chosen, God's expectation for his people is that we live as a chosen people, as free from reproach as possible, and living in this world but not partaking of its vulgarity. This means that you and I, God's people, are going to have to make some real decisions about what you entertain yourself with, what you listen to is entertainment, your conversations, who and how you interact relationally, the icons you're going to identify yourself with in this world. And so I want to uh, preach a sermon that I've entitled The Plague of Vulgarity. First Peter chapter two, verses nine through twelve. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners, pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. The plague of vulgarity. I want to first consider with you our calling and placement in society. 
See, the church is to be the standard bearer in every generation. This is what keeps things somewhat normal. And in our text, Peter's words define God's people as a holy nation. So literally a nation within a nation when you're dealing with God's people. And in verse 9 and 10, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So Peter's highlighting the fact there's a quality of life that is associated with being a Christian. And he is saying that once you are born again, you are chosen of God to represent him. And our representation is of the nation of God. We are to demonstrate lives of those that have been called out of darkness and into light. This is very uh, uh, clear imagery that God is setting before us. Not something that's some vague, but this presents to you and I something very clear. And we can go into other scriptures and I'll give you a few that clearly drives this point home. Second Corinthians six fourteen. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion is light with darkness? So they're contrary to one another. Ephesians 5, verse 8. And for you were once in darkness, but now you are in light in the Lord. So walk as children of the light. Ephesians 5, 11, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. 1 Thessalonians 5, 22, abstain from every form of evil. And this is just a small snippet of all the Bible speaks when it talks about the placement of God's people in this world and how we are to conduct ourselves as the people of God. And that line is becoming uh, so vague anymore in today's religious climate and culture. Uh, Amen. The church, uh, you walk into many churches today, you think you're just in the world. It's just within the confines of something called the church. In our text again, in verses 11 and 12, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, meaning we're just passing through. This is not our ultimate home. Abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against your soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles or those that aren't saved. So here's a very clear message in calling to you and I, the church of Jesus Christ, that God's expectation of his church is that there would be a defined difference when it comes to conduct, conversation and testimony among God's people. Not some vague thing people are not sure, but a very clear marking point that you're a child of God. That there is something different, and the biggest thing is your morals are different than the world's. And while the world is going one way, we're going the other. And it's going to cause friction. You know, if you're the type of Christian, you want Christianity without resistance, and you don't want Christianity. You want something else, but it's not Christianity. 
Because the two are opposed, always have been, always will be. And our rights and wrongs are much different than the world's. And what the world deems as good, God often says is sinful. You know, let's go back to that example. I think it was 2004. When Janet Jackson had what they deemed as a wardrobe malfunction. In other words, she exposed her breasts on national television. And if you would have asked most morally good people, they would have said those antics were vulgar. And, and many did. Many were outraged by it. But, but I have another question for you. How were those morally good people able to sit and watch the performance prior to that moment? Because according to what I've read, the entire show was perverted. It just ended in that moment. Women in the background were wearing what belonged in the bedroom. The gyrating body actions of the performers, the sensual and sexual lyrics, the entire thing was vulgar from the very beginning. uh, And they were outraged about that. But what about the rest? See, this is what I'm talking about when it comes to defining vulgarity on our terms versus the world's terms. See, because the Christian life is a life of separation. I'm going to read you a little piece here. I know the translators hate it when I do this, but uh, this is a preacher that wrote an article. What does Christian separation mean? Your effectiveness as a Christian hangs on your concept of what separation means. Perhaps most of our personal and church problems would be solved If we had a biblical concept of what it really is, the question of separation has been a bone of contention. Bone of contention among Christians for many, many years, though I believe that the scriptures are very clear in the matter. Still, I am sure that we will not solve all the problems in this article, but we do want to take a look at the subject. You don't have to read very far in the New Testament without becoming aware There's some very pointed warnings to Christians concerning their danger about the world around them. Second Corinthians 614 that I've quoted. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. The words among them as well is come out from among them and be ye separate. Then we have the strong passage of first John two: love, not the world or the things that are in the world. James comes out with probably the strongest word of all in this line, for he says flatly and plainly, do you not know that friendship of the world is being an enemy of God? Whosoever will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Christians have rightly taken these passages seriously. They have recognized that the Lord would not speak so plainly if there was not something serious involved here. They've remembered the sad words of Paul concerning a young man that traveled with him, Demas, who has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Christians have often had reason to see that a worldly Christian is a useless Christian. He is of no value to the world and no good to God. For no man can serve two masters. So I want to secondly look at the plague of vulgarity. Society is plagued today. I want to read you a little snippet, too. It's called What a Strange, Vulgar 
right it's been. I just want to take a little piece out of this. The vulgarity that has become so ubiquitous is both a cause and an effect of the coarsening of American society. We spend vast amounts of money and mental energy protesting air pollution and secondhand smoke, but the culture pollution and secondhand profanity that occupy public spaces get at most only an occasional rebuke. We tell ourselves that mere words can't do any harm. We don't want to be thought as prudes after all, and thus grow ever more hardened to the ever crude language that is surrounding us. Now let's define vulgarity for a minute. I'm going to choose the Urban Dictionary for this. It is a rude term or crude or indecent, deficient in taste, offensive, and you'll find often it's used with some sort of a sexual innuendo, suggestion or insinuation. Now, the Bible tells us, and I want you to hone in on this scripture, because there's a segment of you that I'm sure violate this. Ephesians 5, 3 and 4. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you, for it is not fitting for the saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. Now, let me read it in the NIV. It gives you a little clearer understanding. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity. Okay, so that's God's standard, not a hint. Or of greed, because these are improper for what? God's holy people. Okay, here, here it is. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So God's standard is not even a hint of immorality, sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. And not just in action, but in conversation. But, but he goes further here and he mentions the type of conversations you have and the types of jokes that you make. And he says that you shouldn't, there should be no obscenity whatsoever, not even a hint of its obscenity. Foolish talking. That's kind of loose talking, not realizing that your every idle word is going to be brought into judgment. Coarse joking. That starts becoming a joking that at best is towing a line of, of things that Christians ought not to be talking about. He says, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Now we can add to that in today's generation, the type of texts that you indulge in, the type of chats that you indulge in, the types of pictures you send, the types of websites you visit, the things you post online, right? See, vulgarity is more than just what you do. It's also who you associate with. Now, Jesus was the friend of sinners. The Pharisees condemned him because he had sinners, but he set the agenda with those sinners. Is all about winning them to himself. But we start walking this 
road in life where we begin to blend in with our surroundings and the vulgar atmosphere. And we just kind of brush it off, you know. I remember one time I used to work in the Northeast at a place called the Peter Dahl Transformers. And we, we made Transformers and power supplies. And there was this one guy that he made it his business in life to, to come in and, and say as much, express as much vulgarity as he could just to get to me. Right? And so I had a very biased supervisor. And so this guy comes in one morning and I'm, I'm tired of it. And, and we're both sitting at our workstations and he's talking about his adulterous affair over the weekend and all this and just the perversion. And I mean, I, I lit him up. I, I came unglued. The whole place heard me. The entire place. Every person in there heard me. And the supervisor comes over and he starts to chastise me. I said, oh, you better hold on. You tell him to shut his mouth with his vulgarity and I'll stop preaching to him right now. And I was willing to lose my job over that. See, but we just go with the flow because there's nothing in us that just, just, just can get incensed in a righteous way about the vulgarity of people. Standing in a line and this, this foul potty mouth guy or girl at worst uh, just dropping F-bombs and everything else. And you got your grandkid there. Excuse me. There's kids here. You need to shut up. See, the world will push vulgarity and obscenity as far as it's able. Ernie gave me this, uh, knowing that I was preaching, and it's called Rage Yoga. Encourages posing while cursing, drinking, and listening to heavy metal music. There's a common saying cited by non-yogis as the reason not to practice because it's boring. My mother used to do yoga. It's boring. Or for those who just have a little extra aggression now, enjoy the occasional F-bomb or innuendo, the site reads, you've come to the right place. They encourage participants to feel free to swear and drink while posing, telling Vice that as soon as people get into sequences, they tend to naturally drink slowly. So think about this. It speaks volumes about the world's agenda, that they take something as serene as Yoga and turn it into something that's vile, crude, and vulgar. See, and this is the problem with our youth culture today. And this is where we try to come out when you defend, just tooth and nail, defend it. But, but what kids do today, and, and it's not just kids, but they, they're the main propagators, is they'll take something that was meant for good, like Pinterest. Right? Just... Just ladies, hopefully just ladies, uh, pinning stuff up and, and all this. Uh, and no, they come in there and they pervert the Pinterest. Make it provocative and vulgar and disgusting. You know, you need to be getting it when it comes to the world. Because the world and its system of morality and values is not even close to what God requires from his people. And again, if, if you're getting your rating system on what you're going to watch and not watch and listen to and not from the world, you got the wrong rating system. And we need to be certain that we are not losing our distinction as the people of God. Our text again says, who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God. 
We were not always a people. We once were those foul, vulgar people doing the same things, right? And listen to the way he puts it in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you, who he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. You get those important words? Used to be, but no longer are. That we live by a different code of conduct as the people of God. And we should carry the distinction of those that were once bound to vulgarity and perversion and no longer conduct ourselves in such a manner that we would even be remotely associated with the obscenity of this world. Galatians 1.4, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age. Now, ultimately, he will take us out by the way of the rapture. But in the meantime, he will give us power to overcome and live holy before God. So people think that holiness in God's terms, the way that he terms it for us, is some impossible thing. That's just impossible. You know, this world comes off as if vulgarity is their badge of honor. It's all shock value. Okay, they did that. I'm going to do more. I'm going to do something greater. And it's unleashed a plague and a curse upon society. One of the most used Vulgar terms of the day is the F word. Along with the gesture of giving people the middle finger. The most vulgar, obscene. I'm going to tell you how how vulgar this is. One time we were casting a demon out of a guy. And the demon, right before it came out, gave us the middle finger. I'll tell you how vulgar it is. But yet it's so commonplace. It's. This, this vulgar, obscene word and gesture is as common as any word I can think of. I'm letting that sink in, just by the way. When people speak of the anatomy of a man or a woman, you know, there are medical terms that you can speak of somebody But no, we have to use some of the most vulgar terms to describe and refer to sex organs. Vulgar. Obscene. And it really is what's in your heart. Because what comes out of your mouth is in your heart. It's true. It's what Jesus said. The vulgar body language in much of today's on stage and video performances. I don't get how... Some of you kids can sit there and indulge in some of this YouTube stuff. It's vulgar. It's absolutely vulgar. I'll catch wind sometimes and they'll be mentioning something. Well, how the heck did you see that? Why did you see that? Why would you see that? Probably because you're not saved is probably what it is. Vulgar and obscene. Today's rock, rap, and R&B artists. Vulgar. So there's an article called America and the Culture 
of vulgarity, no end in sight. I'm going to read a couple of little pieces from it. The collapse of the barrier between popular culture and decadence has released a toxic mudslide of vulgarity into the nation's family rooms. And just about everywhere else, there's almost no remote corner of this culture that is not marked by the toleration of vulgarity or the outright celebration of depravity. Our culture is indeed becoming so vulgar that would-be moral outlaws find it increasingly difficult to transgress. In other words, it's already so bad that their behavior doesn't even look bad. How do you shock people in the culture that's seen and heard everything already? These days, with every new ripple in the culture transmitted, commented on, analyzed, mocked, mashed up, and forgotten on countless universal devices, every few minutes, everything's available to everyone instantly. Every second, no matter how coarse or abrasive, which is becoming the problem with, what well, is the problem with, Twitter, Facebook, they just post every vulgar thing that they want to say at the moment they want to say it. Now, as, some is, as soon as some pointlessly vulgar song gets recorded, you hear it in the clothing store. God forbid that your kid knows it word for word. We now have reached the point that obscene language or innuendo is playing in department stores and public venues. The living room has become the locker room. Today, our cultural norms are driven in large part by technology, which in turn is often shaped by the lowest impulses in the culture. Behind the Internet's success in making obscene images commonplace is the dirty little fact that it was the pornography industry that revolutionized the technology of the Internet. There's a plague of vulgarity that swept our nation and for that fact our world. And as we go back to the call of our text, we are to be a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. So let me then talk about the guarding of our hearts. In our text, we find a direct call. Verse 11. Abstain from fleshly lust that war against the soul. Now, I'm not going to sit here and make a list of all that that entails. It's impossible. But God expects that you and I, if we're born again, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that we would allow him to let us know what those fleshly lusts are. And that we abstain from them. Why? Because they war against your soul. And it doesn't take much to find ourselves expressing some of the same vulgarity as the world. There are terms that have popped up here and there in the process of us working with young people or even the young adults uh, have come our way and into uh, our offices. Honestly, I didn't know what they meant. Googled them and found out they were vulgar. Where did you get that from? It starts when our own carnal man is given expression in our lives. It, becomes, it begins with off-colored jokes and sexual innuendos. And in some circles of people in the church, it's how you conduct your texting relationships. Vulgarity, worldly conversation, cussing, 
jokes about sexuality. And God forbid couples that loosely talk about that stuff in fellowships. That's vulgar. And I stand still in my position. That these kids do not need cell phones and unaccountable online time and tablets at their access when they want them. Because every time I turn around, and since the last time I said it, we've dealt with numbers of these. Every time I turn around, we're dealing with another issue that stems from phones, texting, online activity that we'll say some of it's just inappropriate, but in many cases downright vulgar. Because they don't have the maturity or the spirituality to responsibly handle that. God expects us to conduct ourselves as Christians in an upright manner. In our text, verse 12, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God on the day of visitation. They can try their best, but they can't ever find the real dirt on you. And try they will. The world will try all the time. If they can't, if all those fails, you know that they're really stretching and, and frustrated with you when they have to accuse you because you don't smile. And I thought you were a Christian. How come you don't smile? Well, if that's the worst you can find on me, man, we're doing good. We're, we're doing good. I've got you frustrated because you can't find anything on me. Unfortunately, some of you live a double life. We must feel the pressure of presenting a testimony to the world that is as unreproachable as possible. Now, I'm going to let you in on one of my secrets. This could backfire. Now, the secret isn't that I have studied the music of Joe Satriani. He's a, just an instrumental guitarist. Okay, That's all he is. From the 80s, now merged to today. Well, he came to El Paso. And I'd lie to you to say I didn't want to go and see him play. And I thought about it. Well, he's not singing. He's, he's not a vile guy on stage. You know, if you go and look at him, you don't see him. He's not, you know, some of them are eccentric, crazy, vile. You know, he just does his thing, loves playing music. But I didn't go. Because I said, no. That puts me at reproach. That puts me at a place where that could open a door for somebody else. Do something. You know, but we don't want to live at that level. Oh, I want to do it. That's what I want. And we just do it not thinking about how that affects others. And I have no regrets, by the way. Just letting you know that little thing to make a point. Now, you can use that against me because I thought about going. It didn't get very far. This is going to happen. We're going to be able to fulfill this as we guard our hearts every single day. Romans chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. 
So when we talk about sin and temptation, it is not this irresistible force that you have no power over when it comes. Oh, I just could. It was just so powerful. The devil just did the. That's not the way it's presented. According to what Paul's writing here, you make a choice. How you're going to conduct yourself and what you're going to give yourself to. I know we don't like that because we like to blame somebody just like Adam. Blame the woman. Woman blames the devil. And on goes the blame game. But it doesn't work that way. You make the choice. What are you going to give yourself to? What are you going to open your life to? What are you going to indulge in? Because you're the one. It's your choice. It's your decision. It's your life. At the end of the day, you're not going to be able to stand before God and blame anybody else for where you ended up. You're going to choose. How many of you have ever had that persistent telemarketer? They just won't take no. They would make a good Christian. So how do you deal with them? I just hang up the phone. Just hang up the phone. You're finished with them. If you can't take no the first time, no. You know, you have to slam the door on this world and its vulgarity and obscenity. It says, David said, I'll be more vile than this. In other words, I'll even be more outgoing for God. Because it's a war zone out there, man. It is. And I don't want to say it was simpler for us, but I guess now that you look back, it was in the sense that at least we didn't have all the Internet. when We were young and trying to serve God. We had plenty of temptations. Don't get me wrong. The devil found his way. But boy, the doors that the Internet has opened is unbelievable. And the, the, the fight with keeping the church clean and pure and right. You're going to have to make up your mind and keep your mind made up when it comes to how you deal with the vulgarity that is pushed in your face every single day. Our lives... Our actions, our words and conversation, our entertainment habits, our relationships need to be bringing glory to God. You have to ask yourself that question. Are they bringing glory to God? As Ernie likes to always put it, and he'll say it if Jesus was sitting there, but he says it knowing Jesus is sitting there. You know, Would you do that? Of course the answer is no, and people hate that because it's like, of course not, but but what? They want to say, but he's not here. Oh, yes, he is. And if you're saved, he's not just here, he's there. And there is something called grieving the Spirit of God. It's your heart. It's your words. It's your will. What are you going to do with it? Galatians 1.4 again, who gave himself for our sins... That he might deliver us from this present evil age. That's where we want to be. God, deliver us. But you're going to have to make some choices in light of it. It's not good enough that we just come to church. The question is, what are you going to do about this sermon? That's a good starting point. Ah, it was good. Made some good points. Ah, I don't know. Or are you going to say, you know what? You're right. My heart is smitten. 
My convictions are challenged. I'm going to make some decisions this morning. I'm going to do some house cleaning in my life and literally in my house. I'm going to stop letting my kids just do what they want, when they want, how they want, have unregulated access everywhere and anywhere. Because I realize that this is an aggressive spirit, an aggressive generation we're dealing with. And God says, look, you're my holy people. You're my holy nation. I called you. I've made you my people. That you would shine forth as lights in the midst of a perverse and a crooked generation. So the question is, what are you going to do with this today? It really is your choice. Let's bow our heads together. We are bowing our heads, closing our eyes. We are staying open to the dealings of God. God is faithful. He's faithful to deal with us. There's a plague of vulgarity that is ravaging our generation. And it's not going anywhere. It's not going to be turned back. It's going to require God's people to be what God has called them to be. Pushing back on it, not going with the flow. Pushing back on it. You know, can you still be righteously moved to a righteous indignation? Can you still can you be at a store and and see some flimsy, loose chick that's just all Everything she is and presenting it with a loud mouth and, and just be okay with it? Or does it like bother you, really bother you? Ah, oh, it's just their life, their thing. You know, things that they're promoting on television and movies. I mean, you, you wonder. Everyone always tries to put it in some compartment of that's old school, that's old style, that's just traditional. That was your generation. No, this is called Christianity. This is called what the Bible says. And I only read just a few very clear scriptures that don't give us a lot of wiggle room in these areas of our lives when it comes to vulgarity and obscenity. You can't miss it. That just tells me that the mega church of today and many religious institutions are willfully ignoring those scriptures. They're willfully kicking them to the curb or somehow redefining them Because they're there. Why aren't you preaching them? Why aren't you living them? So let me change the order just for a moment. You're here and you're not right with God. You know, I was bound at a very young age to perversion. It was a stranglehold of my life. And and even though I was not raised with any sense of of God or His Word. I didn't even hear the Word of God for the first time until I was 16 years old. There's something in me that just wanted to get free of that. How do I get free of this? I was, I was plagued by vulgarity. My mind was just shot. It was unclean. But I came to Jesus... And man, the, the overhaul that he did in my life. And it, and it felt so good to be free. 
not be bound and just chained to that lifestyle any longer. You're here and you, you just be honest. You know what? I mean, just a few things I mentioned here. You look, you're like, whoa, I say that. Yeah, I do that. Yeah. You know, what? it's just it's just the vulgarity of our generation. They want you to think it's normal, but it's not normal. And God does not accept it. I don't care. As Paul said to the Galatians, if anyone preaches any of the gospel, let them be accursed. If any preacher says anything other than what I've just preached and not because I'm right, but I just presented you the word of God, let them be accursed. Just because a preacher says it's okay. God's word says contrary. And if you'll come to Jesus, then he'll set you free. He'll change your life. He'll clean you up. He'll make your conscience feel good again. Don't be so dirty and filthy. But you've got to make a choice this morning. It's your choice. I'm not going to make you do anything. But I am going to present you an opportunity. If you'll come to Jesus... Repent of your sins. Turn away from them. Turn to the living God. A miracle will take place today. A change that will blow your mind. I want to ask you if that's you and you're not right with God, but you're ready to get right today. And let us pray with you. Just a simple prayer. I want to ask you to lift your hand up. See, that's me. I'm not right. I'm feeling God really deal with me this morning. I know I'm not right. But I'm ready to get right today. Put it up. Keep it up until I see it and acknowledge it. God's dealing with you right now. I'm not right. I need to get right with God today. You may even believe in God. You may even been in and out of church all your life. But you realize, you know what? I'm not living this thing. I'm not. But I'm ready to live it. I'm ready to do right. I want to keep going down this path. It's corrupting my soul. Corrupting my mind. If you're married, corrupting your family. And, and worse yet, your kids. What about your kids? You're ready to get right with God today. I want you to lift your hand. God's dealing with you. Just hold it up so I can see it. As soon as I acknowledge it, we'll put it right down. Put it up so I can see it. Thank you so much. Who else? God's dealing with you right now. You're backslidden. It's such a horrible thing to have known the truth and then slip away. And this all that you get filled with. And even more than you ever were before. But God is faithful to love the backslider and you're here and God's dealing with you and you come back today. Lift your hand up. God's dealing with you right now. Come. You slip back to this vulgar, obscene generation and God is calling you out of it. Come to Jesus. There's people God's dealing with here. I know it's a bit of an uncomfortable subject, but you know what? If you'll come clean today, God is going to meet with you in a very profound way. Thank you so much. Who else? Thank you. Honest hearts. You may sit in this. Thank you so much. Brother God is going to help you so much today. Who else? You may sit in God's presence week in and week out. But there's a vulgarity that is a part of your life. In your secret double life. The way you interact on the telephone and online and conversations and with sinners. There's a vulgarity. There's an obscenity about your life. You need to get it right today. Lift your hand up. God's dealing with you right now. Who's that? God's dealing with you. There's others here. God's dealing with you. Would you go on record today? Yeah, that's me. I'm going to align myself with God's holiness as his holy people. Lift your hand up. Okay, you lifted your hand. I want you to do something. Just look at me eye to eye. Did you mean that, brother? I believe you did. 
Right over here. You're going to help me. He says no with her. Tell her she's going to come. And then our, our brother here. So I want you all just to come slip out of your chair. I need brothers to come with them. Sister to come with her. God is so good. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. It, it's a decision of your will, church. Listen. It isn't some irresistible thing that's beyond me. I realize that it can impose on you at times and it can be intense, but the Bible says submit yourself to God and he'll draw close to you. Resist the devil. Resist. Stand against him and he'll flee. Some of you need to learn how to resist the devil and submit to God. You need to see this for what it is. Don't don't go trying to, you know, smear this away and somehow... You know, it's not as bad as he put it. No, it's just as bad as it was put today and more so. Because I would have to be vulgar over the pulpit, which I will not do in order to really give you reality that the nastiness of our generation. But, you know, you live in the same world I do. And God has been dealing with you today and even for some time. And this altar call is to realign ourselves as God's holy people. As his royal priesthood, as his chosen generation that would give glory to God. We're going to stand to our feet and I'm inviting you to come to this altar. Talk to God, touch heaven, align yourselves, calibrate, recalibrate. As God will help us this morning. We're going to sing that song while you're here at this altar. You need to plug into God this morning. Walk away with a resolve about what we're talking about. Oh, God, help us this morning, God. Oh, we thank you, Lord. God, you are our help. We stand on your word today. Your faithfulness. Oh, let there be cleansing at these altars today. Purifying. Sanctifying by the Holy Ghost. God, root out from within us the vulgar areas of our lives, God. The fleshly, carnal, worldly things. Fill us again with your Holy Spirit.
Oh, sing it through again. Let's let God finish His work. God is helping this altar. It's a conviction of God, which is a good thing. I'm going to have you do something. Stand with your heads bowed. I'm telling you, there's an encroachment. There's an encroachment. It's, it's far beyond that point, really. Encroachment is far invaded society today. And it's not going away. That's the thing, it's not going away. And if somehow you think you can escape it, it's not. You're going to have to learn to live in this world as God's holy people. That's what you're going to have to learn. You can't make excuses for it. You have to let the conviction of God always be active in your life. You could be anywhere. Something could happen. The Spirit of God has to be able to say, No. Turn away. And you know, it's, it's not what we think is right or wrong because it goes beyond us. That's, that's the thing you have to understand. Okay, well, how will this... It, you know, there are certain things in and of themselves aren't necessarily right or wrong, good or bad, or even vulgar or obscene. But how will they affect somebody else? How will they affect the new convert that's trying to get their footing? How will it affect this person that I know is weak in this area? Well, they take that to a further degree. So, so our Christianity has to go beyond ourselves. Now, I've talked to, to the extreme of vulgarity and obscenity, but there's a lot in between that happens before we ever get there. By the time we're dropping F-bombs and talking vulgar and, and indulging conversations, like we, there's been a lot in between already that we've let slip. And I want to call you to go back to a place where you have extreme convictions. I don't mean legalistic convictions. Where everything somebody does has to have a retribution. But in your own life, I want you to start in your own life. Because you can't take the beam out of somebody else's eye unless you've dealt with the moat in your eye first. Or vice versa. Because usually it's the other way. we got the beam, they've got the moat. Which is what Jesus said. So this is personal today. This is not you thinking of that person or that. No, what about me? Okay, and I want to really go on record with parents. We really have convinced ourselves somehow that we can say this, but yet do different and it won't affect our kids. You are totally 100% wrong. It is affecting your kids. We, we, we must live to a, a higher level of purity in our own lives. Pure conversation, the surroundings that you allow in your home, the surroundings you allow your kids to be a part of. 
I'm not going to go on and preach another sermon. We're going to pray. I want you to lift your hands. Pray, oh God in heaven. I thank you that you've called me out of darkness and into light. That you've made me one of your holy people. That you've called me to be as a holy nation. A royal priesthood. God, and I'm sorry that I've allowed this to slip. I'm going on record today. And I'm going to allow Holy Spirit conviction backed by the word of God to be what creates my censorship, not this world. I thank you that you're hearing me today. God, help me to be a light that would shine forth in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation. God, I dedicate myself afresh to this end In the name of Jesus Christ, let's begin to worship. Father, we thank you in this place. Oh, we thank you for the faithful dealings of God. Hallelujah. Io robo sibiando rabacando rebende. Thank you, Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Worthy to be praised, exalted, and magnified. Io robo robo sorobo bocore bebebe chiarabande. Hallelujah, Lord and Savior. Rando robo say, thank you, Lord. Know this day, saith the Lord, that I am not asking you to suppress the desires in your heart, but to let them die, saith the Lord, that a new thing may come out of you. This vulgarity that you've allowed into your heart, it must die. You must become a new creation. Thereby, you will be my children, saith the Lord, and you will shine like lights. As you let this die and not suppress it, says the Lord. Give Him praise, Thank you, Lord. Raba, 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 sarakando roshibike. Thank you, Lord. Oh, lift your hands right there. Don't go to your seats. Created me one time through. That needs to be our song today. Created me a clean heart. Uh, let's sing it through. Created me a clean heart, oh Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. Created me a clean heart, oh Lord, and renew a right spirit. Cast me not away. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. Take not thine Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Come tonight. The sermon is entitled How to Make It Through Life Storms. And no doubt some of you are in storms and you need God's help. Uh, amen. Let's rejoice uh, and um, take time to love one another as we come back this evening. Uh, we're going to bow our heads together. We're going to dismiss in prayer, rejoicing, thanking God for all that he's doing, helping us, changing us. Uh, I'm going to ask if, uh, if um, my brother... Somebody, uh, Kevin Alexander, you would close us in prayer this morning.